0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. We're your Bibles this morning to two different places in your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and then we will look over in our Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5, Matthew ch- chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. So those are our two scripture passages today. We are in the midst of the Christmas season. Christmas is only 15 days away. And this passage we're going to be looking at, and this sermon here, is going to be telling us the story of why Jesus came and where Jesus came from. We need to know these things. These are central to our faith as believers about knowing where did Jesus come from, where was he before he was in Bethlehem, and what is the purpose of Jesus coming. And this is what we need to be telling our children and teaching our children today. Uh, We always want to make sure that during uh, times of our spiritual life that we are always uh, making the right decisions and teaching and learning about the right thing. For example, as you know, this is Christmas season. The message of Christmas is actually all about Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. I'm going to show you all that here in your Bible. But if you or I aren't careful, you will realize Christmas has been hijacked. Who's hijacked Christmas. Christmas has been hijacked by Santa Claus and about gift-giving and about just endless parties and events and places and things to buy. And it's just, you lose the, the meaning of it because you're so busy and so many different events. Even here at our church, yesterday, we had three different Christmas events at, here on Saturday. That's Saturday. We're closed on Saturday. That's how busy the, even the church is. It's just event after event after event. And you will find yourself... Coming to church on Sunday morning is almost a break. So it's a vacation to come here. It's, it's like, goodness, I don't have to do something. I just sit in the pew. I can just open my Bible. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves just uh, being uh, swamped by the busyness and miss what this is all about. And it is, in many ways, the devil has just deceived so many people and thinking that it's all about a jolly man in the North Pole who's going to bring some gifts. And if we aren't careful, we have to make sure as parents and as grandparents that we are communicating and sharing the Christmas story. Because Jesus will, the message of Jesus and the purpose of Christmas, and that's what I'm going to be talking about, will easily get lost in everything going along here. And we always want to make sure we make the right decision. Let me illustrate making the right decision. Yesterday, speaking of Christmas parties, my wife Sherry, uh, she uh, works at the VA hospital, and they had their Christmas party. She's in the surgery, the pre-op and post-op units. So they had their Christmas party yesterday. And a work Christmas party, let me explain to you, if you've ever been to those, or maybe some of you used to go to those, and you're glad you don't have to anymore. This is what it's like. You go there with your spouse, and you've got these people who work in the department, they all know each other. Well, I don't know who these people are because I don't go to her job and like, talk to employees. So, so when I show up, the, the, you have these women over here in the corner and they all know each other. And then you have these men. I see these men once a year. And the last time I saw them was at last year's Christmas party. Like, so you're just standing around. Like Literally, that's how it is. You have two different groups. You have employees and husbands. And they, they're just there. And it's one of those things where you're there, but you really don't want to be there, but you have to be there. Anyway, we're standing there, and one of the guys I was talking to, uh, he's a police officer. And last year, he would go around and write tickets to people. I guess he got promotion this past year. I haven't spoke to him since, but he did. So he got his promotion, and this year he was telling me that he now does canine training. And they buy these dogs from Holland. I think that's uh, Amsterdam. So from the, in, in the, um, or, uh, the Netherlands over in Europe. And you get these special police dogs and you train these dogs to find any type of narcotics and eat people's arms off when they run away. And that's his job. That's what he does now. And that's literally what the dog can do. Because it's phenomenal what these dogs can do. And he says, you know, these dogs here are just, they're really nice and great. Uh, they're police working dogs. They're canines. They're very aggressive and highly intelligent dogs. And he says, they're great as long as you make the right decision. And you think about that. You know, these are great dogs as long as you don't have a big pocket of marijuana or you didn't just shoot someone and you're now running away because then the dog will find you and track you down and attack you. So if you make the right decision, you are in good standing with police canines and that's what he was communicating. I was thinking about what he was saying. In many ways, that applies to so many other areas of our life. Everything is fine as long as you're making the right decision and Christmas time is for us as Christians. We want to make sure we're making the right decision on understanding what is so important about this time of year and why, why do we need to highlight and share about the birth of Jesus what happened in Bethlehem, and that's what we're about to see right here in our Bible. So you're in your Bibles. We're going to start in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. This is the Christmas story. Verse 18, it says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. This means Mary and Joseph were engaged. The Bible teaches they were both virgins. God's plan for our sexuality is when you and I walk down the aisle of your church you get married at, you should have never had sexual relations with anyone else. You walk down the aisle a virgin. You maintain your purity until you get married. God's plan for sexuality is when the, within the covenant of marriage. So, Mary and Joseph have never had sexual relations. They're a a young couple who's engaged. And all of a sudden, Mary, who's never had sexual relations, is expecting a baby. So obviously, this poses a massive problem for Joseph. Joseph, here he is, he's realizing, oh my, my wife wasn't faithful to me. Or my fiancé wasn't faithful to me. This, This isn't good. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man. This is a good man we're talking about. This isn't a bad man. He's a good man, and he's not wanting to disgrace her publicly. He didn't want to make a big scene. He didn't want to put her down. He's a good man. He loves this woman. He's engaged to her. Why would you want to make, why would you want to put her down? There's, so he's decided, you know what, I am going to divorce her secretly. Now, back in Bible times, engagement was a legal binding document. It wasn't just something you just would go to Jared's Jewelry and, and buy a ring, and then that next day you propose to them, or that night propose to them, and then you're making announcements on Instagram, and, and that's how everybody finds out. That's not how it would work. This would be something where families are involved. It's a, it's a contract. You, so when you enter an engagement, you are preparing for that time, actually going through that several months, preparing for your marriage to your future husband or future wife. So Joseph's realizing this woman, Mary, she's not who, she, who I thought she was going to be. She's expecting a baby and she claims she's never had sexual relations and God's the father. I mean, he just we wouldn't believe her either. If you were Joseph, anyone in here would say, I just don't believe it. Nobody in the history of mankind has ever gotten pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And Mary's still the only one. So... So he comes up with his plan that he is going to divorce her secretly. And one of the great things about the Lord, even when you make up your mind about doing something, you know God can change your mind. He absolutely has the power of doing that. Just in one night, Joseph went to bed that night, we'll say at 8.30 at night, because they didn't have electricity, so they would go to bed early. He goes to bed at 8.30, and he's sitting here thinking, In the morning, I'm going to break off this engagement. I'm going to go quietly, just ghost her. We're going to pretend this never happened. Mary, you go your way, I go my way. We'll just make this a secret breakup. When people ask me about Mary, i say, who's Mary? Just pretend I don't even know who you are. That was his plan. He wakes up the next morning committed to his marriage and he's committed to raising this baby boy. Because God spoke to him in the middle of the night. And that's the power of the Lord in our life. And that's a we cannot don't miss this during the Christmas story. Christmas started out for Joseph awful. Uh, he wasn't excited about this time of year at all. His his virgin wife, he thought, is now pregnant with a baby from God. I mean, it's just bizarre to him. None of this makes sense. So it says here in verse 20, but after he had "...considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." The angel Gabriel is appearing in a dream to Joseph. Joseph's having a dream, and God's speaking to him during a dream. "...she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus." The name Jesus has a meaning to it. It's not by accident he's named Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. That's what the name Jesus means. Why? Because here his name actually explains his purpose. Because he will save his people from their sins. The purpose of Jesus there is revealed right there in a dream to Joseph. Even Mary likely doesn't even fully understand this. But Joseph is being told, this baby inside your fiancé's womb is going to save the world from their sins. Now what's amazing about this dream that Joseph's having, the angel quotes Scripture now. He's confirming this with the Bible. This is out of the book of Isaiah. Now all this took place to fill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant. And give birth to a son, and you are to name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Joseph is in the middle of the night hearing Bible verses quoted to him. And then he wakes up. Now he went to bed a divorced man, and he's now waking up a committed married man, or a future committed married man, and when they plan their wedding. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. We commend Joseph for being obedient. And one of the things with us, even when we decide to do something, and God turns us around and goes, no, that's not best for you to do. We follow and obey the Lord. And Joseph did this. When God speaks to us and he leads us to do something, it is up to us... As following along in obedience. And and Joseph said he did what the Lord's angel commanded him. He didn't question him anymore. He didn't argue with God anymore. He didn't sit there and offer excuses like Moses did at the burning bush. He just said, I believe you, Lord. It was the most bizarre dream I've ever had. Never heard of it before, but you are God. This is what we do. This is what we do. He married her, but he did not have sexual relations With her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. That is the birth story there of how Jesus' birth was announced and came about. And the power we see in this story is how God changed one man. Uh, Mary was about to, one night when Joseph was going to bed, she doesn't realize it, but that next morning, she was about to be a single lady. She was going to be divorced by, by her fiancé, Joseph. But God got a hold of her one night with the Lord and a few hours with the Lord, and he can totally change the trajectory of your life. This happened in the Old Testament with Queen Esther. She was selected because she was very attractive, and the, we had a bizarre king called King Azertes. And he basically paraded every woman in front of him. Each night had a different lady in his bedroom. And said, one of these is going to be the queen. And he had one, she had one chance to be the queen. God used Esther's one night with the king. She went, the woman went to bed. This sounds bad, but she essentially went to bed with this man that night as a prostitute. Wakes up, but didn't get paid, but wakes up in the morning as the queen. And God used that bizarre event with Queen Esther being the queen to actually save all the Jewish people. Do you see how the Lord works? And that wasn't her plan. You, it just takes one night. The Lord can get a hold and change people. And do you know what's amazing about Joseph? Is he also had one night. He was there in Bethlehem after baby Jesus is born. And God got a hold of him about a midnight escape that he had to wake his family up in the middle of the night and flee to Egypt. This young couple had never even left Israel before. They had no clue. Egypt was a foreign land, but God told him to do that and Joseph obeyed. What Christmas is about is seeing Mary and Joseph, their unwavering obedience to the Lord. They did what God wanted them to do. Flip over in your Bible, book at John. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. We see here that the story of Jesus is one that a lot of times, I think, that we tend to think what happened in the world is sin entered the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And we have the sin problem now. Because beginning with the firstborn of all mankind, and that's Cain, remember Adam and Eve were not born. They were created by God. But Cain, he was born into sin. So all of humanity, every single person born other than Jesus, has been born into sin. And the reason why Jesus wasn't born into sin is because his mother was Mary, but his father was not Joseph. His father was the Holy Spirit. So he came into the world with no sin, because he was not conceived like all other people were conceived. So what happens here is God realizes from the beginning of creation, God has an attribute, what is called omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. God knows from the beginning of creation what's going to happen at the end. Nothing surprises the Lord. The only thing the Lord does not know is sin. God is not responsible for sin, nor does God sin and know of sin. So you say, where, where does sin come from? In the Garden of Eden, when God created Adam and Eve, it tells them that they were free to eat from any of the, tree in the any of the trees in the garden. But they do not need to eat from this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day they eat of that tree, they will die. And the word "free" is used. That is where they receive the ability, the freedom, to choose. They could choose to obey God by not eating from this tree and just eating and doing whatever else they want. Or they could choose to disobey God and eat from that tree. So God knew all of this from creation. I'm about to show all of this here. when We'll read John 1.1. 1, 1. So what happened is then we see the redemption story. The overall theme of the entire Bible is actually redemption. That is the key word. And you can see that in every single book in the Bible when you grasp that word and understand this is actually a redeeming love story, that's what this book is actually. It's actually a love story. It's God's love story to us. He's showing to all of us today of how he has reached in and changed people's life. He's maneuvered different people and position. He's ultimately did this so that his son could be born, so that Jesus could die on the cross. The overall theme is the redemption story that is fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what the whole entire Bible is about. So when we read the Bible, whenever you study the Bible, you understand this is where we're going and what we're doing when we study our Bible. But the book of John teaches us about where Jesus came from. Jesus didn't just show up in Bethlehem one day. Jesus wasn't, this was not plan B where God all of a sudden realizes, oh no, I have a problem here in the Garden of Eden. And then he looks down the bench of quarterbacks and said, I need the backup QB to come in and throw a touchdown pass. Jesus, head on down to Bethlehem. That's not what happened whatsoever. God's plan from the beginning was to send his son Jesus to Bethlehem, ultimately to die for the world's sins. Because Why? It's the redemption story so we can be saved. John 1.1. We're going to read five Bible verses here. Now, if you go home this afternoon and you get a knock on your door, and it's from people from either what we call the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they'll be handing you a magazine called The Watchtower, or you will receive from the Church of Latter-day Saints, which is what we call the Mormons, and they'll be handing you a blue book called The Book of Mormon, this Bible verse is one Bible verse you're about to read right here. John 1 1. If you just read this Bible verse to them, you can't read it out of the Bible they give you because they've changed it. You pull out your Bible and you read this one Bible verse to them, they will walk away from your. From your don't ask how I know this, but this is what happens because they're not going to talk to you about this Bible verse because they do not believe this one Bible. This one Bible verse completely counters. Everything those two groups tells us. And it's all about Jesus and about who he is. Because the difference is, Jesus existed from the beginning. He existed during creation. They do not believe that. Other people teach, other groups teach that Jesus, he was a man just like us. And he ascended and became the son of God. He became God. Jesus didn't become God one day. He didn't get a promotion he didn't get, you know, he didn't do good on his yearly evaluation, and God moved him on up the ladder. He has always been God. God exists in three persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's one God who has chosen to reveal Himself as three persons. This is under, uh, important. This is what we call the Trinity. This is why there's schools called like Trinity Christian Academy. It's because they're acknowledging, we acknowledge, or Trinity Baptist Church, that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you say, Pastor, how does that relate today? And when you read your Old Testament, you see um, a lot of the workings of God the Father. God the Father spoke directly to Adam and Eve. God the Father spoke directly to Moses, directly to Abraham. God revealed himself to David and appeared to King David and to Solomon and even to Saul, the early kings. And then we get to the New Testament, and you see God the Son, His purpose is there revealed with the redemption plan of dying. And now today, after Jesus ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came at what we call Pentecost, with the early church there in Jerusalem, we have God the Spirit. So when we worship right here, and we sing, and we we uh, read our Bibles, it's actually we're in the presence of God the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit, He's always with us. Ephesians chapter 1 teaches us that when you and I get saved, God the Spirit, He puts a deposit guaranteeing our salvation. So when we say, I've asked Jesus into my heart, you literally don't have Jesus in your heart. You have God the Holy Spirit into your heart. Now, God the Holy Spirit is Jesus. I know that's hard for us to understand, but that's That's one God who is chosen to reveal himself as three persons. So, our worship today, we are worshiping in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. So, you're reading here John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word. Notice in your Bible the word Word is capitalized because that is a reference to Jesus right there. That is Jesus who we're talking about. When we say, I'm going to read the Word of God, you are reading the very words that came from the Lord Himself. So He's actually chosen to reveal Himself through this Bible. He is the Word. It's truth. And the Word was with God. Jesus was always with God. And the Word was God. That teaches us. Christ was with us at the beginning. Jesus Christ was, was with God in heaven, always. He's, he was there. He didn't just show up. He wasn't created in Bethlehem. And knowing that, he was God, and he is God even now. He always has been, always will be God. We look at the world th- through what we call time. We're trapped in time. God is not trapped in time like we are. God can obviously be a part of the past, in the present, in the future. He is not bound by this time. He lives beyond that. He created time. Verse 2, it says, He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. I mean, Jesus Christ was part of all creation. And that includes us. We were created for Jesus all the lost people around us, in our wonderful city, in our wonderful state, is desperate for Jesus. They don't realize it. They aren't aware of their gospel need, of who, what they need. But they need Christ. And it says in verse 4, last two verses we're going to read this morning. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. When it says that light was the light of men, that meant you have all this darkness around us. And Jesus came as one of us to point us to life. Jesus told us in John 14, 6, I am the life. Meaning he's not talking about our life here. Yes, we can absolutely live for Jesus right now here on earth, but he's actually talking about eternal life. We want eternal life in Jesus Christ. Do you know, Brother Hurt, I was talking about him earlier. He was telling me, um, before he passed away, and even I, in the past seven years I've known him, he a uh, great influence to in me. And he says, one of the things him and I talk about, or he this was about, this was about three or four years ago, he was telling me, he says, Daniel, at the church, because if you got him one-on-one, apart from just the standard, uh, how's your family doing, I'm praying for you and, and checking on you, he would open up. And one day he opened up to me. He says, "Damn, at the church, people just think I, this is him speaking, people just think I'm some saint or something. They really just, uh, just think I walk on water. That's it's what he was telling me one day. It's just, they, they really seemed to admire me. And um, he says, you know, all I do is the same old stuff every day. It's really not rocket science. He says, all I do, and he's telling me about four years ago, it's, he's probably 88 years old when he's telling me this, says, so I get up really early and I spend time reading my Bible and his Sunday school lesson. He had a Sunday, some of you have Sunday school books. He would read his Sunday school lesson and he prepares it each week. He would, that was part of his devotional. He would read his Sunday school lesson, read his Bible. Well, usually whatever I was preaching on, he was at home reading it as well. Just following along with whatever's going on. He would spend time in prayer for whatever prayer needs there were. Then he would go to his office. He had a little home office. It was just basically a bedroom with a desk right there and a phone and a piece of paper and a pen because that's all he worked with. And he told me he would make about one or two hours worth of phone calls, calling people, checking on them, only speak. I only want to talk to them five or six minutes. Just keep brief, check on them, pray for them over the phone, see how they're doing, write an update in his little thing. And then if there was somebody at the hospital... About ten thirty, because you don't want to get to the hospital too early. He'd leave the house about ten thirty. He'd go visit a couple of folks in the hospital. He'd said, "I'd be home, Margery. Have lunch on the table at one o'clock. We'd have lunch together, and I, I, was done for the day. That was it. Like I had my whole afternoon. He was telling me my whole afternoon is whatever I want to do. He would go exercise. He'd go and walk in his neighborhood. He'd go visit go go see the doctor or whatever he needed to do. He'd set all his appointments in the afternoon for that very purpose. And he says, "I had learned." I give my mornings to God. He says, by noon, I'm clocking out. My day's over. I've already worked six, seven hours. I've spent all my time with the Lord, did what I had to do. And I learned early in my life to give my mornings to God. Because he says, after lunch, it's over. Everybody else wants your time. They want your stuff. They're, you're on their dime. And you, don't have, you can't do anything you want to do. Three o'clock's is the worst time in the world because there's 40,000 things you have to do and the day's coming to a close. And I learned that he told me that when you give your mornings to God, you will deepen your walk with the Lord. And for some of us this Christmas, you need to hear that. Because you're trying to go through your Christmas in your days, and you don't begin your time with the Lord. You don't have any prayer life, because you're always running behind. And for some of us that work all the time, that, this just requires getting up an extra 30 minutes or an hour and say, I'm going to start my day with, with the Lord, with the God, and then the rest of the day, whatever happens, happens. I cherish and I Guard that time with Jesus. Say, why is that so important? Jesus just tells us here, in verse 4, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is telling us in verse 4, if you want life, if you are going through life right now in Christmas, and you feel like you are stale, or you're dry, or you're missing something, or it's just like you're always a day late, a dollar short, I'm just running behind, and you get anxiety, and you're upset, and it's just like, this is, I don't even like Christmas. Because what's happened is the, the person who gives you life, the person who enables you to make it throughout your day, you're not starting it with him. You know, Brother Hurt taught me that a few years ago. And it's absolutely true. If I don't begin my day with the Lord, it's a ruined day. Might as well just hurry up. The sun needs to hurry up and set and start over again. Because you lose that time. We as Christians, when we read this verse, you want to have life. You want to have a walk with Jesus. You want to have, there's darkness all around. You start your day with Jesus and let everything else Flow out of that. Last Bible verse here in verse 5 that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. This is a principle for us that we live in a dark, lost world, and we are desperate for the light of Jesus, and that is absolutely revealed to us through Jesus Christ, who was with us from the beginning. Couldn't it be if Jesus is God, he was part of creation, he's with God, he's telling us, I will give you life, I will carry you through, I am the life, the truth, and everything for you. Why do you not start and live and make me part of everything that you do? The Lord is pleading with us this morning to live this way. Last things I want to show us this Christmas, tying all this in with the overall Christmas story of what is the purpose of Christmas. How do we worship Jesus? Number one, you're you're 15 days away from Christmas. You're saying, Pastor, how do I apply this? What do I do with all this stuff you're giving me? Jesus was from the beginning. Jesus' purpose was to go into Bethlehem, which was actually leading up to the cross and the resurrection, and so that we can have a, a, a daily life with the Lord. These next two weeks, here are ways for you and I to maximize Christmas. Worship Jesus this Christmas. Number one, you want to read the Christmas story throughout these next couple of weeks, this month. Say, what is the Christmas story? The Christmas story is found in Matthew and Luke. And instead of watching TV and playing on the phone, you say, I'm going to read the story and what's powerful about the christmas story there's a lot of different angles of the christmas you can see what happened with the wise men the shepherds how herod was trying to kill baby jesus you can see how joseph reacted you can see how god used the census to move all these move them to bethlehem god was working completely you can see how the birth of john the baptist was a precursor to the birth of jesus lord was using all of these events to prepare for the messiah and we need to read this Christmas story. A lot of times to other times of the year, you don't read this stuff. You're not learning about Mary and Joseph in June. We're learning about VBS stuff. Number two, you, li- you need to listen to Christmas hymns. I'm so glad we band played. We had some Christmas hymns up here today. The Christmas hymns and the Christmas carols tell the Christmas story. If you listen to this, if you have one of those machines, Alexa, Echo at your house, you say, play Christian Christmas hymns. and They'll just play it for hours. You listen to it, all, all this stuff's free on the internet. And that is something, instead of listening to this next few weeks of secular Christmas music about Santa and chestnuts roasting on fireplace, you say, Lord, I want to listen to the Christmas story about your, birth, child, your son's birth. Number three, your greatest gift this Christmas season should be to Jesus. This is the gift-giving season. Say, what does that mean? How do I give a gift to Jesus? We are, even last night, Sherry has this long list, and she forgot a name. It was my brother-in-law. You know, if you're a brother-in-law, you will get forgotten at Christmas. I'm a brother-in-law to a lot of different people. In-laws always seem to be the ones that get left off on Christmas gifts, especially male in-laws. And um, and so, uh, I'm um, 10 o'clock before I'm going to bed I'm buying stuff for this gentleman uh, on the get it shipped here hopefully in time so what happens we find ourselves just thinking I've just got to make sure everybody gets a gift and the right gift." but folks the best gift we have is that of Christ and if he is given if God gave us Jesus we need to give him a Christmas gift what does that mean how do we give Jesus a Christmas gift here's some ways to give Jesus a Christmas gift Number one, Jesus wants your money. He wants what the Bible calls your talents. We are commanded by the Lord to tithe to the Lord. And when we don't give to God, we're robbing Him. You say, why does God need my money? Preacher, you want my money. I have learned, especially with men, men will see a spiritual breakthrough in their life when they begin tithing. Because as you know, probably a lot of your house, the males have a lot of influence on how the money is spent. But when they surrender, says, God, I'm going to surrender my finances to you. You start that this Christmas season. Watch how the Lord all of a sudden changes everything in your life. Number two way to give a gift to Jesus, we need to give our time. Do you know Brother Heard? He retired from our church two years ago. Now when he retired, he did not sit in front of his TV and watch Fox News. He still woke up early and went to his little desk, opened up his little Bible and called all of us and checked on us and prayed for us. He still did that even when he wasn't getting paid. Even though he was retired, he didn't quit. Our time goes to the Lord. We're we're created for him. We just aren't people saying, let's just go on trips all the time and go on vacations and watch the news and wait for the election. I mean, if if you're just watching the election, the election cycle will have you trapped every two to four years and you will just be stuck in this cycle of waiting for the next election. And by the way, the news will teach you every election is the biggest election in the history of mankind. And if I owned Fox News, I would have the employees teach that same thing too. You want to keep your audience hooked. Folks, Jesus is saying, that's not life. You weren't created for that. We are created by the Lord that we live for Him. Everything we do flows out of our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And another way we serve the Lord and we give to Jesus is we do that by telling lost people how to be saved. You know, the word darkness is used when these. both of these passages had the word darkness. And Jesus came and brought light. Bethlehem, when we see these candles lit and we see these light, that, the reason why you have lights around Christmas is because Jesus says he is the light of the world. The great, great Christmas gift for someone is getting saved. This Christmas, you and I need to tell someone how we came to know Christ. And if you don't know of anybody, begin asking the Lord. Lord, bring someone in my life that I can tell how to be saved. These next 15 days, a lot of us are going to see family members that do not know the Lord. My last story we'll tell. We're about to have our invitation. In fact, Ben, why don't y'all come on up? We're going to have our invitation. Why they come up, I'm to tell you this story. I was at that VA party last night. And Sherry was telling me about a lady she works with who uh, does not go to church, was raised at church. And if you saw these people, these people, they, they're my age. The guy's 43. I guess the to ask her how much. I, I don't know how old she was, but he was 43. They have two children. Children are just a little bit younger than ours. And they were, the lady was telling Sherry that her youngest is beginning asking questions about God. Because, you know, children were actually created for the Lord. And children will ask about God, if you ever notice. They will all the time, if you have children. God put that in their hearts. And this child is asking this little boy, his mother, about the Lord. And this lady, who grew up in a Christian church, told her son, who's in elementary school, this little boy, you know what? I'm going to teach you about all the different world religions and about all the different faiths and what they all t- teach and believe. And as you get older, you make that choice and you pick which one you want to be. I thought, how sad, how sad. That is our community. And that child will, will grow up likely not knowing the Lord because he's about to learn about confusion. Just I say not confusion, but it's about all these different fakes and how they all mean the same thing. And it's all, all, all the same paths to God is what that mama's about to teach. That type of belief is rampant here in our, our community. Everywhere we go, there's people who think that way. And you think about the message of Jesus. God sent Jesus to Bethlehem who was born in this manger here to die for that little boy's sin so he can be saved that's the that's the gospel story and that mother if she was a christian she should be teaching her child her little boy her little girl the christmas story mom's dad's grandma grandpa we have a responsibility this christmas to teach the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is this baby, baby Jesus. He came so ultimately you and I can be saved. This is about an empty tomb so we can have new life in Christ. That's why John 1 tells us there is life in Christ. He was there from the beginning. His greatest purpose is for you and I to be saved. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. If you are not saved, if you have had had confusion of your spiritual beliefs, if you've never trusted Jesus, the baby born in a manger, as your Savior, I stand down front along with Zach Bauer. You walk forward and take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to get saved this morning. This is also our time. We join Broadway Baptist Church. You want to make Broadway your church home. And there's no better time during Christmas season to follow Jesus. I was saved during the month of December. It's a fantastic time. Best decision you'll ever make is making Jesus, the baby Jesus, the Lord of your life. All right? Amy's going to lead us in our song. Zach, you come stand up here me. We respond to Jesus right now.